You are now listening to In Conversation with Mr. O, the podcast dedicated to machinery and equipment maintenance, reliability, and operations. It is presented by MRO Magazine, Canada's industry voice for maintenance and asset managers since 1985. This podcast is sponsored by IGUS. IGUS has been manufacturing self-lubricating plastic components for more than 50 years. And now, you can 3D print prototypes out of their long-lasting, wear-resistant powders and filaments. IGUS also offers online 3D printing services. Simply upload your step file, select your material, and receive your part in as little as 24 hours. Learn more at IGUS.com. I'm Mariam Farag, and I'm here today with Dr. Rafiq Ahmed. He is an assistant professor in the Department of Mechanical Engineering, University of Alberta. Dr. Rafiq is the founder and director of the Laboratory of Intelligent Manufacturing, Design, and Automation, focusing on hybrid and smart systems, where he helped develop the personal protective respirator. He is also the founder and director of Aquaponics 4.0 Learning Factory, focusing on researching system design and development for plants and fish production in a symbiotic ecosystem indoor soilless environment. Dr. Rafiq runs numerous research programs and industrial collaborations targeting smart engineering systems design and development, digitization, lean manufacturing, hybrid manufacturing combining additive and subtractive technologies, green technologies, sensor and IoT technologies, and finally, industrial automation and robotics. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Rafiq. Thank you very much, Mariam, for inviting me. We are here today to talk about a project that you've been working on at, at the Laboratory of Intelligent Manufacturing, Design, and Automation of University of Alberta, which is called PROPOS, short for Personal Protective Respirator. Before we dive into the topic, I want to ask you first about additive manufacturing. How would you simply define additive manufacturing? Um, additive manufacturing is simply the addition of materials uh, on top of another material so you can actually create a product. Um, there are two types of manufacturing strategies. One is called subtractive and one is called additive. And from subtractive, you start with a bulk of material and then you go into creating a product uh, by cutting material from the original um, bulk material. In additive material, you start with nothing and then you start building layers by layers to create a product. In your opinion, where does the additive manufacturing industry stand in Canada? Um, I think it's progressing really well, um, and uh, especially with this uh, disruption uh, of COVID-19, uh, it's picking quite well, um, although the market is quite niche for additive manufacturing um, because of the functionalities of these products coming out of additive manufacturing systems. Uh, but when it comes to prototyping, uh, when it comes to just initial testing of a product or development of initial versions of different mechanical systems and products, uh, additive manufacturing is widely used um, in Canada. Uh, it's, it's still picking and it's creating a lot of new materials, new, um, new products into the market and uh, hopefully it will be, um, it will be a big uh, thing in the future. And how has the COVID-19 pandemic changed the way additive manufacturing is being adopted or used? So I would say that it has uh, definitely increased the pace of uh, additive manufacturing adoption into our industries, but also into our research institutions. Um, previously, people were just looking for those niche uh, prototyping products uh, for additive manufacturing or for creating new materials or testing products. 
um, uh, when this disruption came um, due to COVID-19, uh, a lot of these supply chains were disrupted, so people were not getting their products um, directly from their suppliers, which was mostly based um, in China or outside Canada. Um, so people started looking into the existing technologies and data manufacturing was one of the things which really helped people in developing new materials, new products, and creating uh, prototype versions of the, the systems which they were looking for. And of course, the project that we're going to talk about today is related to health and, state, uh, health and safety of, of our frontline workers. What are the ways that additive manufacturing helped in protecting our frontline workers? I think when the, this pandemic started, uh, frontline workers were the very first people who was um, disrupted, right? Their supply chains, um, for example, APPs were not available. Uh, they uh, safety of these frontline workers was the major issues because not everybody was interested in going to work, but those people had to work. So uh, it it was a big thing uh, in the beginning, and we saw the that um, the nine percent people in Italy, for example, in the beginning of pandemic were infected due to COVID, and uh, um, this was kind of a pattern which is coming from Europe and then spreading across the world that frontline workers were. Uh, the major victim because they were exposed to COVID-19. So, um, so additive manufacturing was something which people started looking into it. Many people, uh, starting from Europe and then across the, the world, people started looking into additive manufacturing, how they can help in designing or developing different types of equipment that could be PPEs, that could be prototypes of different medical devices that could be uh, ventilators, respirators, CPAPs, um, people just took snorkel masks to use that and designed um, connections uh, between snorkel masks and the CPAP machines uh, to create uh, something which can work uh, in a worse situation. The same, with, uh, the same kind of product which we have developed uh, was also uh, developed using 3D printing technology. Sounds good. So can you tell me more about the Laboratory of Intelligent Manufacturing Design and Automation? It's at the University of Alberta, and you're the director and founder of it. The Laboratory of Intelligent Manufacturing Design and Automation is a lab which is situated here in the Mechanical Engineering Department of the University of Alberta. Um, I actually created this lab uh, about five years ago, and the focus was uh, really looking into uh, hybrid and smart manufacturing systems and technologies. Um, and uh, we do a lot of fundamental research, but directly applied to industry. Um, so we work with industries to create their manufacturing and production systems. Um, that was kind of the goal of the lab uh, where we started in the foundation. But our one of the main goal um, out of all this uh, research which is happening is to impact the society. So looking into people, how we can impact their lives um, through different research, uh, either through industrial revolution or by creating products or systems which can help uh, in, in terms of their safety and uh, comfort in the manufacturing production. And I know that uh, Propus, which is the project we're going to talk about today, was born there, correct? That's right, yeah. So we started uh, looking into manufacturing system and production system in the lab, and we were pretty good in developing mechanical component, mechanical system, but we have never thought that we would be able to look into medical device, for example, 
because this was not an area where our team was interested. Uh, but when this COVID hit, uh, I said with my team, we decided to go for um, something which can help the society. We have, um, I, I told them we have brains, uh, we have the resources, we have uh, financial aid from the government, we have the technology and we have time. Let's start by doing something. Let's start by helping one person. Um, and then that's how the, the idea came up. We started looking into a variety of products. We looked into robot-based disinfection surfaces. We looked into ventilators. Uh, I was also part of the OcaLink project, which was one of the big project, a million uh, ventilator project in Canada. Um, we were looking into that product as well. We were creating our own uh, ventilators as well. Um, we looked into different kinds of digital technologies using computer vision, detecting uh, humans, their safety, um, and also um, heat, um, for example, for fewer of a person. And then also um, we looked into respirators um, in the end. Uh, but out of all these projects, then what was very important for us was how we can create a bigger impact to the society. Um, and looking into the statistic coming from Italy and Spain, we decided that uh, we should develop something for the frontline workers because if situation like that happens in Canada, we should be ready. We should have a technology which can help the frontline worker, although if it's not uh, medically approved yet and it will need to have those hurdles, but at least we need to have a technology which can help somebody um, in the in Canada in particular, but also we can make it an open source so that it's available to everybody in the world to use it. And how long did it take uh, for you and your team to develop this respirator? We started looking into many projects, um, but then we really focused on this personal protective respirator. And also the idea of the respirator came um, because we looked into the market and we saw that in Edmonton there were many, um, many uh, shops which had uh, those uh, snorkel masks, masks available. So we just took a snorkel mask and we started developing that personal protective respirator based on a snorkel mask. Um, and uh, the initial prototype was ready within a month. Um, but then we had to do a lot of filtration afterwards um, just because um, the initial prototype was too heavy. Um, some uh, the, the 3D printing technology was able to manufacture them, but it was taking a lot of time. For example, one product would be ready in 24 hours, and we wanted something to be much faster than that. Um, so oh, obviously, it took us um, seven, eight months to come up with this final product, which was completely ready. It still need to be medically tested, um, and uh, it need to get. Uh, Health Canada approval, um, but I think the product in general it's ready and it's uh, already available open source and anybody can download it and use it in anywhere in the world. And how many people were in the team? So my team currently um, we have around twenty five people. Um, when we started this COVID project, I asked, I gave an open offer to everybody to join the team uh, for this product um, and. Uh, uh, it was a volunteer work because we were meeting on weekends, we were meeting in the evenings, uh, so it was purely uh, a volunteer work. I did not uh, push anybody to come and join the team and work with us. Um, so initially we had around seven, eight people who started uh, with brainstorming the ideas and then slowly and gradually we came um, to two, three people and then finally only 
uh, one person named Manuel Martinez, uh, who was my master's student, he was uh, the lead on this product, although they, he was joined by two more people afterwards and we finished it, the product with other people. And now we have three versions of the same product. Uh, one is this proposed, which is open source, uh, developed through 3D printing technology, but we have also other models which can be used in other industries as well. That's good. So some people in your team are actually students from the university. Yeah, well, everybody in the team was part of the university. So it was all based in the University of Alberta. Good. And what were some of the obstacles you and your team faced uh, during developing this project? Oh, there were many obstacles. Um, starting from um, the beginning, we, we looked into the supply chain um, and uh, we, we could create the product. Um, we can design everything, but there were many components within the product which we were using, for example, the electronics, the fans, um, the tubing, which were not available um, in the market. So we had to go and identify different uh, shops, uh, Home Depot's, for example, Canadian, um, uh, Canadian Tires, or any other, any shop we could find. And I personally go there, I checked all the different shops. And at that time, it was also quite long queues at different uh, shops. So it was not that easy even to to go around and identify any product which we need. Um, then we were also looking into the face shields, they were not available. We were looking into the electronics and even for just for the fans inside the product which we were using, we looked into many fans uh, from different shops, uh, different computer systems, uh, how they are using it. We, we looked at different configurations. Uh, Sometimes they would be available and we could just identify one product in another location and then I would go there and pick that product and then we tested. So I, I think disruption of the uh, this supply chain was one of the biggest hurdles um, because it was not helping us to expedite the pro uh, product faster. Yeah, for sure. The supply chain uh, disruptions were one of the main issues that a lot of people faced that year, right? So, which was unfortunate. You mentioned earlier that there were three versions of uh, Propos. Uh, can you tell us the differences between these three versions? Yeah, so initially the, the first product which we developed, uh, it was based on 3D printing technology and um, we designed it based on what we had available, the machine, uh, the systems, uh, the materials which we had available. So we um, only looked into what's available and how we can create a product out of that. Um, yeah, so it took us some time, but the system was ready. Um, but it was not perfect in a sense that we, if, if we need it in mass, uh, we will not be able to create those in mass. It would still take 10 to 12 hours to produce one product using our 3D printing machine. So that's where the idea of uh, mass production came and we thought we should just change this product so that we can actually use another manufacturing technology and then uh, if the situation gets worse, we should be able to uh, manufacture it with those technologies we should be ready. So we partnered with another company um, called Flexin Manufacturing Services Incorporation. They are based in Edmonton. Um, they use uh, injection molding to produce different parts. We worked with them um, for almost seven, eight months. Um, we developed a second version proposed to, uh, which was named after Pro, which was the uh, named after Emmanuel's mother who also died due to COVID. So that product was um, very similar to this proposed one, uh, but it was based on the injection molding technology. So all of a sudden, uh, the 10 to 12 hours 
of manufacturing time was changed to probably 30 minutes on those machines for one product. And the same, uh, the Propose 3, uh, which was named after my brother, my elder brother, who also died due to COVID this year, um, we call it Woolly Pro. Uh, that product was purely looking into the constraint of somebody who cannot hold um, this whole machine on the back of their um, body. So we wanted something which is portable and easy and you can just put it into your face. So all the system is embedded into the head of the product. Um, and that will have application in many areas um, in safety uh, related aspect, for example, hazard, hazardous environment outside in industrial production systems. Um, so that is called the Woody Pro, that's the third product. It's also based in injection molding technology, uh, but that can be used uh, quite faster. That is very sad to hear about uh, your younger brother and um, your teammate's uh, mother. My sincerest condolences. So that means that the three versions of uh, Propus, they serve the same purpose. So the first two versions are uh, purely designed to serve the same purpose, but one can be produced much, much faster. Uh, so the manufacturing strategies are different. Um, the third version is uh, different. So the third version can be used um, in any environment. So that is not only restricting to ICU or frontline workers, that can also be used in manufacturing or production areas. So we are looking for a long-run, long-term uh, long application in manufacturing industries. So the third product is very different than the first two products. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you touched on this earlier a bit, but um, is Propos specific to protection against COVID-19 or can it be used to other viruses? We haven't tested it for other viruses. And uh, one of the important features of this product is the filter system which we have. That filter is designed by our one of our not-for-profit organization and partner, uh, ACAMP. Um, they are based here in Edmonton as well. Um, initially, when we started talking to them, they did some tests related to that product, and it's an A95 filter which has an eight layers of thickness and we just take that filter from them and we used it in our system um, to filter the air coming from outside. So that filter is tested already for COVID-19 and it works like an N95 filter, very similar to N95 uh, capabilities, but the good thing about that is that it's also washable. Um, so you can actually take that out, you can wash it and you can put it back um, into the system. Um, and it will work in a worse situation if we need it. Um, and if there is a supply shortage for that kind of filters, then you can reuse the same filter many times. Um, so that was kind of the concept where we went with. Um, so the first uh, two versions are using that same filter. Um, the third version is not using the same filter. We are just using a normal filter there. The third system will not be used in COVID-19, but the first two will be used in COVID-19 and specifically targeting COVID-19 as tested for COVID-19. Um, but the other uh, viruses, we haven't looked into them yet because uh, it's just very new at the moment. And how is Propus different, like all three versions of it? How is it different than other respirators on the market? So there are many respirators um, out there, especially uh, one of the big company, 3M uh, systems, they have uh, respirators, very similar nature uh, respirators. Um, but the big thing is that our system is specifically designed for COVID-19. Their system is not for COVID-19. So that system is used mostly in manufacturing and production environment for safety of humans. 
Um, and if you look into just the price point of these um, systems, um, our system comes at least at three or four times um, lower price than what they have. Um, and our system is open source, available to anybody, anywhere in the world, they can just take our design and use and develop it. Their system is very much uh, a company-based system, so they, they only sell those systems. And then when the supply shortage came, we were not even able to get those 3M systems here in Canada because, uh, because of the supply chain shortage, the restriction, the many, many issues which were happening in the beginning. So that's how it is very different from that system. Our system is also reconfigurable. Um, we can just remove the uh, filter, um, wash it. We can also um, change the battery um, as you go, or batteries work as at 12, 10 to 12 hours a shift. Um, so they are designed to be used by doctors uh, for their complete shift. So those are some of the features which those systems um, doesn't have because those systems were not designed for. COVID-19, our system was specifically designed for frontline workers in, to cope up with the COVID-19. And I assume it's been tested uh, by, by people before, or doctors or frontline workers? So in terms of testing, we haven't done any formal testing yet. Um, the reason is because this um, Canada health approval takes years uh, in the normal uh, circumstances. Um, we developed the system with the hope that um, it can help anybody and that's why we without even uh, going for those tests we just made it open source we published a uh, journal paper about it and we just made the design available to anybody so anybody any company they can take it from there and they can develop it and they can actually do those testing um, themselves uh, because our goal was to bring it to the market quickly so people can use it and they can help and change uh, and save one life which we are uh, looking for um, so we haven't done formal testing, but we have done some informal uh, testing. For example, Dr. Giovanni from um, the University of Alberta, he's a respirologist. He uh, was working with us. Uh, we personally developed one system. We gave it to him. He tested it um, himself just for the comfort level and everything. And he gave us a lot of feedback on what to change, uh, how does it feel, things like that. We have tested it even in the lab with different people within the same lab uh, from my students and they have provided feedback. Um, those are all informal feedback which we did not quantify but we use them to change our design and develop the system which we have today. Shifting on to another perspective of this topic, with the rollout of vaccinations against COVID-19, where do you think PROPOS stands in this equation? That's a very good question. To be honest, when we started this project, the goal was not to create a company out of that or a product which will be there forever. Um, the goal was that when a situation like Italy, situation like Spain happens in Canada, we should be ready. Um, and we are ready. Uh, that's what the goal was. Um, we developed the system, it works, and we have the technology available in the lab. So if anybody needs this product, for again, let's suppose we all of a sudden a demand of 1,000 products comes, we have our partners ready, we are ready, we can just produce the systems and um, they will be deployed. So that was kind of the goal of where it started. Um, another aspect of this project was also to create something which is publicly available for anybody to use anywhere in the world. Um, there are many countries currently, they don't have those vaccination rollout yet, or they 
still need product like these. So we have provided that system open source to anybody to use it. We have been approached by many people from across the world. They want to use our system and we are there to help them um, to manufacture it and even develop it further um, in the design. And we can provide any information, any guidelines uh, on the product itself and help them out so that they can develop that rollout strategy for themselves. Um, in Canada, particularly, the focus was that if the situation gets worse, we should be ready, and that's what uh, we did. But we have learned a lot through the process. We have developed the system. Now we are shifting it towards the production and manufacturing areas, which will be one of the big things um, which we will use anyways. So the system is there um, for future pandemics as well. This is not the only pandemic we have. Um, now that people know how things work, I um i know that there will be further pandemics i hope we will not see one in our lives but there will be many coming afterwards as well so system like these will provide a pathway for the future generation to follow um, and how quickly they can develop taking our design and further develop it further it will create new ideas for manufacturing industry to help protect their workers in any hazardous environment and um, we have been working with those companies and people will be interested in working with us on this product in the future so um, having said that it's not the, the end of the product product is there we are available uh, we help uh, other countries other people as well um, it's a research project and we have the product ready and we are really thankful that um, uh, we, we have it available right now so is it safe to say that uh, the main goal of this project was not to be profit uh, or business oriented that's right, yeah. So that was kind of the main objective, right? We wanted it to be something which can help impact the society. Um, so that was kind of the initial goal, although there could be a business uh, strategies which can happen and that could be more on the manufacturing side. That's where we are bringing this third product, which is coming out of the same uh, product idea. Um, so that will be more business oriented, but the first product is completely open source and available for anybody. So we have achieved our goal, um, I believe, and we are pretty happy with the results which we have received so far. And you mentioned earlier that a lot of people around the world were uh, reaching out to you. Which areas? So many people, um, yesterday I had a meeting with people from Mexico. They are interested in using this for even uh, people who can actually go in buses, for example. Um, there are people from the um, South Asian uh, countries, they approached us and they want to see how they can actually use this design for frontline workers or even in a lab environment. Um, <coughs> so there are many areas where people are interested in using this product and uh, we're open to give those uh, solutions to them. And you also mentioned earlier that you're not expecting for this to be the last pandemic, right? And when we were talking about the three different versions of uh, this respirator, two of them were mainly co for COVID-19, right? And one of them was not. So do you think, hopefully it doesn't happen, but if we go through another pandemic, are these respirators going to help? So I think um, the main strategy of the system is ready, right? Uh, now, if uh, if this virus changes in the future and we have a different type of virus, I don't think we will need those six to seven months of research to um, to change our product. We will be very fast um, in doing that because now we have experience 
we have the system we know where to get our product and we know how to design and develop the system so i don't think it will take that much time um so if if the previous solution came in months this one will be coming in weeks or days um so i am very hopeful that uh, whatever we have learned then all the students have learned and everybody in the world has learned through this pandemic uh, we will not be uh, learning those lessons again we will be ready for the next one and it will be pretty fast for us to develop those solutions and i know you mentioned earlier that uh, the health canada takes uh, years for approval but like where do you see propose in five years in five years i see propose to be something which will be the foundation for different new technologies i would see I would see and expect many people coming out of similar kind of products uh, and they will be commercializable product and coming out of the companies based on the design which we provided to the community. Um, so I see many products coming out of that already um, and there are people looking into this kind of uh, solution. So I, I think our system will be the foundation to that. Um, but also we will have a version which will be ready for the hazardous environment in different construction, agriculture and manufacturing industries, which hopefully will be a commercializable product and we will bring it to commercialization stage. So I personally see that there will be uh, a commercialization aspect from our side, but there will be a lot of other products which will be based on the same technology which we have provided. What is the future of additive manufacturing in Canada, uh, specifically related to products that are related to COVID-19? So I think additive manufacturing is already disrupting our life and the way we manufacture things. Um, and in future, when these technologies are much faster, uh, they will be the way to go forward. Um, for example, I talked about the three technologies which we developed um, using this purpose uh, concept. The first one was based in additive manufacturing, which would take 10 to 12 hours to manufacture one purpose product. Uh, we changed that strategy and we developed a similar kind of product using injection molding, which can take 30 minutes. Um, if we have this additive manufacturing technology available, which can manufacture this product in 30 minutes, that will change the way we look into any other manufacturing technology because additive manufacturing are easily available can be easily manipulated or changed based on the design so i i think in future additive manufacturing will be a big thing in canada uh, especially for the discovery of new materials we have very niche environment niche markets uh, here in canada where we need products for minus 40 degree in edmonton for example um, that kind of um, need is not there in anywhere in the world so people uh, are not looking into a data manufacturing for a minus 40 degree environment. And that's where it will create a big impact in Canada because we need to develop those strategies so that we can manufacture different products which can be used by people even in the uh, cold and extreme environments. And that's where data manufacturing will bring a big change in the future for manufacturing industries, but also for pandemics like these where people will be using these products outside in outdoor and indoor environment which will have a lot of impact this pandemic is probably the something which has impacted um, our personal lives on many fronts uh, either through uh, our families or um, through research but it has created a disruption which will continue 
And I think now we are comfortable working in the this situation. We have to create new norms. Uh, we have to create new technologies. We have to look into new ways of how we can adopt um, our technologies and the way we live today and how this can impact our future generations. Um, so we have to be ready uh, because the systems are changing, the technologies are changing, the requirements are changing, the needs are changing. So we have to be ready um, now that how we can adopt ourselves um, in our future technology and especially manufacturing technologies like 3D printing, how they can help and we have to invest more into these technologies so that we, we are able to cope up with this change, big changes happening in the, our society and the future needs of our environment and our communities. Well, thank you very much for joining me today on this episode, Dr. Rafiq. Thanks a lot, Mariam. Thanks for having me. This podcast was brought to you by IGIS, where complex geometries come to life inside the IGIS 3D print lab. Visit IGIS.com to upload your step file today.